is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under arrest. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wanderson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recording from a private gondola high above Season 3, episode this one. My name is Brighton. And I am Sean. We are two gentlemen who signed a lucrative contract with Senor Oro Del Burro. Our mission is to record the greatest podcast of all time. And it is ever shifting. You never know what you're going to hear because we talk about whatever we feel like. And if you've made it this far, 81 episodes in, you're used to that by now. But if you're only listening for the last three weeks, this is a Harrison Ford podcast to you. Right. This is your favorite Harrison Ford podcast where we cover all the hits, <laughs> like Witness and Regarding Henry. And Fugitive. And Fugitive. The top ones. All the top Harrison Ford hits. Yes, it's Harrison Ford month. Uh, before we get to that, pleasant Starchmas to you. Pleasant Starchmas to you. I had the most amazing day. Oh, really? Guess what I had for my noonsies. Oh, something different. You went you went off off topic. Potato wedges. Oh, wedges, yeah. Wedges. They're like doorstops, but they're made out of potato. That's popular with the the young kids around here, the ga- the roving gangs of children. Yeah, they're so cool cuz they're like kind of hot and crispy on the outside and then cold and frozen in the middle. Oh. And then you dip them in mayo and mm-hmm. oh boy. That's kind of how I feel this time of year. Yeah, hot and crispy true. on the inside and cold and frozen on the middle. Yeah, it's always tough. You you wear your layers, you wear your coats, but mm. it's still cold when you breathe in. It's bitter sometimes in the, the gondola with the cracked window. Yeah, but luckily, uh, in addition to Tugboat, there's one of those great big dogs with a barrel around its neck that comes mm-hmm. by periodically. Yes. And that barrel's full of queso. It is. And you can dip your tots in it. <laughs> That's right. It's amazing. It's pretty amazing. Stay hot with some delicious queso. <laughs> so, Harrison Ford month. We've talked about The Fugitive. We've talked about Witness. Now, I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. The director of The Graduate. Okay. The star of Working Girl, Frantic, Presumed Innocent, The Mosquito (laughs) Coast, The Frisco Kid. Okay. Or maybe it's The Cisco Kid. The composer of the Dark Knight trilogy, Gladiator. Wow. The the Justice League movies. This is star-studded. And then produced and written by the man who brought us the best Mission Impossible movie, Mission Impossible 3. I agree with that, actually. The guy who, I will argue, is responsible for the good parts of Lost. Okay. Star Wars fair. Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Felicity. That's good. He Felicity. He Super Felicity. 8. Super 8 was pretty good. I quite liked Super 8. And then one pretty good Star Trek movie and one just okay Star Trek uh, movie. I, I might, I'd go a little harsher on one of those, but... You're right. It's one awful Star Trek movie. This is 1991's Regarding Henry... Yes. And we have been talking about doing this the whole time. I've never seen it. I was worried it would be too sad. And I watched it as a kid and thought it was sad. Yeah. But I had the same mind as as injured Harrison Ford. Right. I thought, let's watch this and we'll just see. And if it's Mm. too sad to talk about, if it's too moving, Mm -hmm. then we'll talk about (laughs) something else. This movie, holy shit. (laughs) All right, regarding Henry. What, what's, what's regarding him? Um, we're regarding him. We're regarding him. So I'm right from the start, the opening credits, I see written by Jeffrey Abrams. Mm-hmm. This is 1991, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Must be his father. Must be his father, because J.J. would have been too young to write a movie. Right. And yeah, he was. He was too young to he write a movie. He was too young. It, definitely too young. He's in the movie for one moment. Yeah. He, the, does it? Was he deliver flowers or something, or? or does he deliver the paintings? He's he's a delivery boy, and he looks like the older brother in Home Alone. What? And the same age. How did he get his script made? This sounds like some kind of Home Alone plot where a little kid pretends to be an adult or something. This is like maybe in Arrested Development, where she yeah. goes to Hollywood and just bullshits, and then get you know she becomes like this Hollywood bigwig when she's fifteen. Oh, yeah. He was uh, twenty four years old, senior in college. This is the second 
movie he had produced that year. Who does he know? Well, his father is a uh, a big time uh, TV movie producer. Okay, so, okay. so he he does have the connections. He does have the opportunity. But obviously, a, a, a major Hollywood movie, you're not going to get the director of The Graduate and, and Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford just because your father makes TV movies. Well, I, um, okay. Well, then- but I mean, what I'm saying is that that obviously got his foot in the door. Yeah, but, but I, I feel like he wrote a script that was the perfect schmaltzy Hollywood movie that 1991 demanded. This is the same year as Hook. I, do you know what? I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about Hook. As I was watching this, I thought this is a less whimsical Hook. Yeah. This is the same exact story, pretty much. It, it kind of is, yeah. Yeah, J.J. went to that. I was looking him up. He went to Palisades High School, which I think is where on Hulu's Runaways, the high school they're supposed to be going to. Oh, really? Have you watched that? Not yet. Oh, it's great. I, I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, I really like it. Is the but... dinosaur in it? Yeah, and here, this is what's interesting. Dinosaur's a puppet. Oh, cool. Yeah, really? I, th- I thought it was CGI. When you oh, watch wow. it, you'll think, that's a pretty good CGI dinosaur for a Hulu thing, but it's a puppet. Oh, I love puppets. Man. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I love Harrison Ford puppets, like like in this movie. Yeah. They um, got a really lifelike Harrison Ford puppet. So, yeah, and then the director of The Graduate, Hans Zimmer, did the score, and it's like the worst, like, hold oh music. My, I know. I had a whole discussion with my girlfriend about the score. Yeah. Where it, I, I, thought, I thought the Witness score was weird and, and synthy. But this one sounded like an after-school special or something. It did, absolutely an after-school special. And it seems like one of those things where he got the like beginner keyboard with yeah. 88 different sounds. Uh-huh. So he'd put on like bells, guitar, <laughs> bass. <laughs> you know what? In his defense, that's pretty much exactly what I was doing in 1991. No, yeah, we, we got a keyboard yeah, one, I of had those, one of those. those Christmases. And we spent weeks just changing noise doing little bass sounds like on seinfeld and everything yeah oh that's so funny i did too so you're telling me us spoiled brats much like jj abrams yeah we're little jj abrams cable nintendo Mm -hmm. and a electric piano with sound effects (laughs) i know posh little boys in our gondola but it had real instruments like you do cello and hit a note and be like and sound nothing like a cello or you could do like a meowing sound or no, a bubbly sound. I liked the pa pa pa, like kind of like the Rugrats. Vo- there was like a voice setting. Oh it was, yeah, it was eerie. Yeah, like the opening music to Rugrats. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so wow, this I you, first of all, let's just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. If you can find it now, thanks to our friend Jonas too, because mm-hmm. who lent us his vast VHS collection, right? So we could watch all these Harrison Ford movies. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, if you can get your hands on this, I think you should definitely watch it. And maybe watch it uh, late at night after a night on the town, if, <laughs> if you catch my drift. Or a night, okay. or a night inside. Night inside, yeah, just a night in. A night inside looking at blacklight posters. And, if you, if you want, and it's pleasant. It's, it's got kind of a, besides a shocking moment of violence with a realistic bullet hole. Yeah. It's, it's a pr- quite a pleasant movie once it kind of gets through all the, the tough stuff. With uh, Fugitive and Witness, I kept talking about efficient storyline mm-hmm. or storytelling. And talk about efficient. How do we establish that Harrison Ford, beloved movie star, is a jerk? Mm-hmm. All right. Slick back hair. Right. Smokes inside all the time. Yeah. I, I, I thought of, of Wall Street when I saw yeah. his look. Yeah. And, and he, he has a kind of a Gordon Gecko look. And I didn't really think he was that bad. I kept... In my memory, he was a lot worse, and I just thought he's sort of a jerk, but he's kind of not that bad, right? Well, it's really cartoony. He yells at his assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he has, angry. He about- has slick back hair. He's <laughs> screaming at someone on the phone about the table that's been delivered in advance of his fancy party. Yeah, and it's like made out of King Koopa. Yeah, it's he's angry that it looks like a turtle shell. And and in his defense, when I saw it, I was like, that is that does look like a turtle shell. Yeah, it was a bad table. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. He screams at his daughter, uh, and that's an interesting reveal because you see him yelling in fury, and then <laughs> cut, and it's mm-hmm. a little girl, mm-hmm. and he's mad because she spilled grape juice on his beloved electric piano with eighty-eight <laughs> different sound effects. I know, that, which I totally related with. Yeah, I'd be furious if grape juice fell on my beloved keyboard. With when I, when I push the button that gives me the bossa nova beat, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Yep, no more bossa nova at all. I loved his apology to her later that day, though, yeah. when he had to sit down. And it, it was like, it was it was just such a shitty apology. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and I love that he got the name of the doll wrong. He's like, if your doll Frank got juice, you'd be upset, too. 
And her only response is it's not, it's not, his name's not Frank. Yeah. Her name's not Frank, whatever it is. His daughter, what was his daughter? Rachel? Yeah, Rachel. This is Harrison Ford's third Rachel. It is? Yeah. He loves, it, maybe he, that's in his, some sort of clause. Like he'll turn down a script unless it has a character named Rachel At in it. At the first table read with the, with the cast yeah. and the director, he gets in the writer's face and he points right in his yeah. face and he says, a character should be named Rachel. Yeah. He starts reading. And he's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My daughter, Susie, Rachel, get me Rachel. <laughs> um, he is defending a big hospital against a malpractice suit where an old man was. Uh, he, it's, they don't even explain it. He suffered some sort of. Well, he has badness. He, he had diabetes and he, right. did, he tried to tell the nurse and, no, and, and nobody listened. And then they screwed up his heart or something. Yeah, The, the defense is that he never said he had diabetes. Mm hmm. Um, so he loses. Everyone's so happy that this old man whose <laughs> life is ruined has lost. Harrison Ford makes fun of him. Right. Uh, Henry. I, I was going to say, what's his, what's the character's name? <laughs> Henry. Henry. It's Henry. <laughs> um, then we get this party with just the rich assholes talking about their yachts and their real estate and their yeah. s- stocks. Just, I love the look of everything. I loved the, especially their huge apartment. Yeah. Like, it, it just had this. I didn't realize that the early 90s had such a look until we're this far from the 90s. Right. So you look at fancy a fancy apartment and the awful art on the walls and their yeah. weird clothes and just the whole decoration style. It's like if the Enterprise from Next Generation yeah. was an apartment. Yeah, like that's, that's right. Plants and brass and... Oh, it's just... I was thinking, this is horrible. It made being rich look so much worse with, with 25 years or 30 years, however long yeah. it's been since it came out. If you're watching it at the time, it looks real fancy, I imagine. Yeah. But the how awful the people are looks so much worse when everything looks awful. <laughs> yeah. So that was real offensive to me. Oh, yeah. In his apology, he speaks Latin to his daughter. <laughs> like, look, I'm sorry, but like they say, <laughs> Veni sick <vici>. veni, <laughs> yeah. quinque victimus. Nothing gets through to a, a preteen teenage girl at like, like just some Latin. Yeah. Good old-fashioned Latin. Um, so, uh, his idiot housekeeper was supposed to pick up his cigarettes, his merits and didn't. So he's got to go out in the snow so he can keep smoking in his shitty, fancy house. And and at this point, the, the action is going to start to begin, but yeah. I was, I kept thinking that this reminded me, I felt like I had come into the movie 20 minutes late from the beginning or maybe an hour late. I don't know if it, it established enough of, of how bad he was because he just seemed like you're seeing him on a rotten day like he's having a bad day basically well that's how the conclusion is too the beginning and end of the movie are each 10 minutes long and mm-hmm. then there's two hours of middle it's like a two it, and it's actually where we just kind regard of, him and <laughs> that's true and the, and the two hours in the middle feel a lot like a music less uh montage yeah it's a really like weird when movie. you watch like rem- what did we watch <laughs> where they were having a conversation in real time it when they're having dinner and they're playing oh, yeah. music, but all their, their voices are turned down. This is the opposite. They just turn down the, the music and turn the voices back up. Oh, man. So you're, man. Hearing, you're hearing a montage in real time. That or, is so perfect. Because yeah. that's what the whole movie felt like to me. Yeah, even though it's two hours of regarding, even that's rushed. His rehabilitation felt like an eternity. Yeah. So he goes to get the cigarettes. Young John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. <laughs> Luigi himself. Yeah, pre, pre-spawn. <laughs> <laughs> looking good looking baby faced that's that's what i love about watching these old shows is seeing how beautiful and baby faced everyone was and it's his one last opportunity to be a dick before his life changes forever because mm-hmm. he just marches in and snaps his fingers and goes pack of merits mm-hmm. even though the guy's already helping a customer mm-hmm. well a robber but he doesn't know that henry doesn't know that he's had kind of a bad day like i said i sort of didn't feel like he was he was a bad enough of a person he just seemed like he was having a shitty day. No, but he, he shitty day. He won the case. He had his party. Oh yeah, I guess if you're seeing him at his his best, you don't deserve him at his worst. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, yep. he, he must be real rotten. That is, it's a wonderful day. He, a huge case, made a lot of money. <coughs> Got the new turtle table. They're having a party soon. So not John Leguizamo's first role. In fact, it was his fifth role just that year. But it's but they were tiny roles. Oh uh, right? yeah, they were all like this. It was so. like bicycle messenger and, and shop owner. Or something. Well, yeah, in the film NYPD Mounted, his role is credited as unknown. Okay. And out for justice, he was boy in alley. 
Okay, that's and what I was thinking. Liquor store gunman. So. Liquor store gunman. Yeah. Yeah, he's he. Why do you think he shoots him? He just he's he doesn't seem he doesn't seem necessary. A lot of times when when robbers will shoot someone in a movie, it's because they get scared or there's a loud noise. Yeah. But he Henry's just like, come on, buddy, give me a break. I he just, just some He just starts blasting it. Well, I think it's a class struggle thing. It's the proletariat versus the. Uh, landed elite so it, the landed gentry not only do, is he not giving him any money he's not even giving him the respect of being scared yeah like henry at least be scared of me henry yeah henry could crush him yeah so. with with one signature right of his pen right so he gets shot right in the brain right in the forehead in the heart first yeah because that's that's when they when they do the doctor talk later they explain what happened to him he gets yeah. shot right in, in like one of his little valves in his heart yeah and then the sh- the shot in his head it, was, pretty, it was shocking it's and pretty gnarly and yeah. realistic looking yeah that that was very unnerving it really was yeah just seeing and i i would imagine i've never seen anybody get shot but i'd imagine it's a lot more like that than it is in most movies no and i yeah I haven't seen it in real life, but I've seen like videos before where someone's been shot, and it's it's very similar. to Yeah, that. just like the spot of blood slowly yeah. appears, and then mm-hmm. it really starts pouring out. It's not like in Die Hard where they're just things are exploding. Your chest is exploding. Yeah, there, there's a scene in Die Hard where one of the terrorists is running towards uh, what's his name, what? John, John McClane. And and he shoots him in the knees. Do you remember this? It's kind of early oh, on in the movie. Yeah, and yeah. his knees are exploding. Yeah. And and yeah, it's. I think maybe that's why it makes it so unnerving. Is because it's our brain just knows this is probably what it's like. And then there's like the last Mission Impossible movie, which I don't, I don't know if we talked about this on the air, but we talked about it in private. Is it Ghost Protocol? Uh, no, what's the last one? No, Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation. Yeah, Rogue Nation. Where there is nonstop stabbing, shooting. Like there must be a body count of 200 people, mm-hmm. and there is not one drop of blood in the oh, entire yeah. movie. Yeah, that's right. Except maybe on Tom Tom Cruise has like cat scratches on his face. Yeah. But I thought that was also off-putting. Like, wow, he just stabbed that guy in the brain, mm-hmm. and there's not a drop of blood. I just saw something recently where the same thing, where it was just ultra-violence with no blood at all. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So uh, this scene always gets me in any movie, is when there's the knock on the door, and it's either a cop or an army officer. Mm-hmm. And then they take their hat off real slow. Mm-hmm. I, that's No matter what, even in a movie like this one that's kind of cheesy, kind of kind of cheesy, <laughs> It's that scene always like makes my heart jump out of my chest. Just is, is ah. out, of, out of fear that that, that will yeah, one just, day happen. I mean, just anxiety and fear and empathy, like knowing that that's happened millions of times to people. Yeah, and that that's someone's job. Yeah, and it's always the scene where you know she's looking out the window and this this really clean car pulls up, mm-hmm. and then a guy in his dress uniform gets out and knocks on the door, and all he does is take his hat off, and then the the wife like collapses in agony. Have you ever seen the? Uh, always an effective scene for me, anyway. But yeah, you know, I'm a simple man. Well, yeah, it doesn't take much to make me cry either. Yeah, have you have you watched the first Forty Eight? No. Show? Do you know what it is? Is that a reality show? Or yeah. A, well, it's not a reality. It's reality or a recreation sense. kind of show. No. Oh, okay. It's a camera crew that follows around real homicide detectives. Mm. So it's reality in the sense that it's it's real. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like. No, I meant is it like Criminal Minds or no no or no something no, like that? No. Yeah. They follow around real homicide detectives, but there's an there's a part in every episode where the detective has to go tell the family oh, no. that the person is dead. Yeah, and they never take the camera in there, but they always record the audio. Uh. And it's always and I just every time I see that show, I I think to myself, this would be the most unpleasant job. Yeah, you would have to go and do that, and then immediately go to a bar and have like a huge glass of whiskey yeah. or something. Yeah, like uh, telling <laughs> someone the worst news you could possibly tell them. Every day, yeah. <laughs> I've only ever ever seen w- literally one scene from NYPD Blue, but Dennis Franz walks into a bar and he just says, "Line him up, pal!" Right, and just starts knocking back whiskeys. That's a, it's a, it's a stressful situation. Yeah. Um, so then we get that guy as the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know that guy, actor James Rebhorn, who yeah. uh, I always enjoy seeing him for some reason. I do too, and he's he's sort of ageless. Yeah, he, he was. I was surprised to see that he was 60 years old in 1991, when now he is still 60 years old. Well, he'll be forever 60 years old. (laughs) He has unfortunately passed away. What? But uh, he had over 100 roles, 128 credits as an actor. I'm thinking of a different doctor. James Redporn, he's in the game. Uh, He's in Independence Day as one of the, like, smarmy uh, aides to the president. 
Um, that guy's dead? Yeah, he died in 2014 after 121 roles. I don't know if you can see him. You know, that guy. He's yeah, got kind of a yeah, that's kind of a square head, of. I kind, of a, kind of a long nose. A real sharp nose. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I feel bad about my joke now. No, it, it means that his legacy lives on in our hearts, mm-hmm. in our damaged, bullet-ridden hearts. Oh, that's, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, so but no, I always I always really enjoy I don't know why of all the that guys out there. For some reason I always get a kick out of when he shows up. He's good, man. Yeah. It, there's nothing better than a good character actor. Yeah. And he always plays a character who's just like not evil or villainous, but just a little bit like cranky. Yeah. He was like a cranky guy. Yeah. Maybe a little bit sneaky, maybe he's kind of kind of a smarmy, holding back the truth kind of guy. And and he's the one letting Sarah, that's Annette Benning. Yeah, her character, letting her know that he's maybe going to recover because at this point Henry's in a coma. Yeah, he's in a coma. Um, which we he's been in comas so far this month in all our movies, <laughs> or something. Has he? He's always been damaged. Yeah. He's been shot in every one of these movies. That's our theme: is that he gets shot. Is he shot in Fugitive? Oh no! Well, or, what, or is he, he just doing? shot at? Well, he's he's sewing himself up in his side for some reason. It's from the train wreck, isn't oh, okay. it? Okay, yeah, I guess so. I thought maybe the shotgun hit him. It could have. It could have yeah. easily been shot. Let's just go. Let's say lot. it was. And yeah, that's, and th- and th- that's why we chose these movies. Bullet ridden. They're all bullet ridden. Yeah, but it wasn't the shot to the brain that did it. It was the heart. Uh, he got shot in the heart, and then he was without oxygen, right, for too long, and then that's what is going to cause his irreversible, perhaps, brain damage. Mm-hmm. And then the shot to the brain was memory, right? Oh, was that it? I think that also damaged his memory. Oh, so that's how they explain. But it, but it, but it, he explains the doctor explains that if it yeah. heals, his memory could come back. Yeah, which I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, I wanted to research this, and it's a really deep topic. Uh, it doesn't seem possible, right? Yeah, because what happens is he's going to get out of his coma, and not only does he not remember anything about his life, but he also has reverted to a state of about five or six years old. Mm-hmm. He has become Simple Jack. Yeah, I thought of Simple Jack. Yeah. That I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because I thought about that the whole movie. Is yeah. he, he's very much a Simple Jack. And that's what I don't get about the amnesia is he doesn't remember any facts about his life, but he remembers... How to talk and, and Like, stuff. there's a lot of inconsistencies. Well, maybe... Like, why, why would he... He doesn't remember, you know, his mother or where he went to school, but he remembers that you're supposed to... I don't know. Well, it's, English is there. It, it seems like the speech therapist, uh, Bradley, yeah, who's who's kind of inappropriate as as a caretaker at times. Oh, I like oh, that's what that's just <laughs> that's what, what Henry needed, that's, man. I mean, it kind of is, yeah, yeah. He, and and Henry does really grow to love Bradley. Yeah, and Bradley is Bill Nunn, uh, mm. Radio Raheem from Do the Right Thing. Oh, okay. And then Robbie Robertson in the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. Oh man! Also, I'm glad you're here because yeah. I just sat there staring at him, going, "He looks super familiar. Yeah. What is he in?" Yeah. Also passed away uh, in the last couple of years. Unfortunately. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Man, this has been a bummer so far. Yeah. I thought he's dead too. Yeah. Shit. Okay. But he's you know he's coming in. He's lively. He's making jokes. He is being inappropriate. He's telling. Yeah. He's telling uh, Harrison Ford, who still can't really speak, who's hot and who's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a scene I, I wrote down. Is he trying to pick shapes or seduce a woman? Because they're, they're, they're yeah doing his therapy. They're like, okay, point to the circle, mm-hmm. and he's got the same face on as when he sees Kelly McGillis topless, <laughs> or when he confronts Rachel in Blade Runner. That's true. I've, I've not, now that you've pointed out kind of his his smirks and his weird kind of anguishy faces. Yeah, I, it's all I can see now. Yeah, it's just he's he smirks. Smirk is his go to. It's, it's, it's it, like, I would say 90% of his acting is, is not quite a smile and yeah. not quite a frown, but it's, it's, it is real charming. It must work great when he was young, yeah. like in college and, and dating. And it's really versatile because it can show that, you know, he's in on the joke. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's roasting you a little bit, mm-hmm. but he wants to keep a straight face. Or it can show that he's hurt, mm-hmm. that he's sad. Confused. Confused. Um, yeah. Trying to maintain his dignity in the face of uh, humiliation. Is this his big secret to being this this world-renowned star, one of the biggest stars of his generation? Well, that's what's fun about watching anyone's oeuvre back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how film theory was developed, when these French film critics got to watch Alfred Hitchcock movies all day mm-hmm. after World War II. Mm-hmm. 
So what does he do? He's shirtless. He's always shirtless. Right. He's pointing. He's pointing. smirking. Smirking, yeah. And that's about it. And then sometimes he's looking really, really out of place intense. I, and it, it, he just has that it factor, though, because yeah. I've been a lot more aware of all of those things while watching these movies week after week. Yeah. And I, I've realized that I like him a lot. I really like oh, Harrison yeah. Ford. But yeah. I'm not sure he's that good of an actor is no, what, I've, but that's, that's, what I've realized. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if he has that much of a range. I'm not even sure. I'm, I sort of think maybe he is in real life like Indiana Jones. He just kind of is Han Solo, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I guess, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's, it's great. He seems like a likable guy. Have you seen the video where David Blaine does a magic trick? It's kind of like he's doing a magic trick for Henry. Really? Yeah, David Blaine does some kind of card trick, and Harrison Ford's like, you son of a bitch. Really? I think he said, we'll post it. Yeah, it's, okay. it's really funny. No, but he saves this movie because I, in my notes, at some point I say, this is where it won me over. Okay. As ridiculous and sort of strangely executed as this movie is, mm-hmm. he's still so charming. Well, another a thing that won me over, as goofy as this was, an after-school special as this was, I, it was very sweet. Yeah. It was, it was very, like, a gentle, sweet movie. And uh, we make fun of it, but it wasn't cynical in any way. It wasn't right. ironic. It wasn't smarmy. Right. So and, there's that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Brad has a great euphemism for sex that I've never heard before. He calls it doing the serious. Oh, I didn't pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, when, when they're walking and he sees, like, the hot woman. Doing the serious. So, yeah. Now, to get, to get uh, Henry to eat or to speak... He puts a whole bunch of Tabasco on his eggs. Mm-hmm. Less than I do every day and on almost every meal. Yeah. So it didn't, <laughs> I didn't really buy it. It didn't seem that spicy to me. Yeah. Tabasco's not that hot. It really, and especially when it's on a big plate of greasy eggs. Right. But that's how you get a guy to talk who is going through speech therapy. Not to, Give him spicy know. food until he screams, you, you jerk. Yeah. And then he yells Ritz. Now all of a sudden he's painting Ritz painting crackers Ritz. boxes. <laughs> He's doing oil paint portraits of the Ritz Crackers logo, and he does dozens of them. <laughs> I know. I kind of li- – and, again, like you said, one, one you o- – this that might have won me over. Yeah. The one you over – that was the point where I thought, is this the dumbest thing I've ever seen or the most beautiful thing I've yeah. ever seen? Do I love this? So he gets his facilities back. He can talk and walk. He goes back home, but he it, is – At the end of about a 35-minute montage scene, as, right. as we mentioned. Yeah, 35-minute montage. And he obviously he prepared for this role by watching Big mm-hmm. because he is filled with childlike wonder and confusion. And then this is his Gosh, move. it is a lot like Big. Yeah. Holy smokes. When his family leaves and he says to the housekeeper, he says, what do I do all day? Mm-hmm. He says, you work. And he says, well, what do I do when I'm not working? She's like, you're always working. Boy, that, Ooh, oh, boy. Wow. His move in this that I loved, too, is he will say something ridiculous. Someone corrects him, and he goes, oh. Is it, that, that happened. Uh, that happened. Pro- if you had a PDF of the script and did control F, oh. It's, oh, it's hundreds so, yeah, of times. Yeah. Um, they're having breakfast, and he says, oh, no eggs. I don't like eggs. But, Dad, you love eggs. Oh. Well, then give me lots of eggs. I guess that's supposed to be funny. There's a lot yeah. of scenes like that that yeah. I think is it supposed to be funny on its own or is it supposed to be funny because Harrison Ford is doing it? Probably both. You know, I even mean, he's up until this point he's played roles as the most capable guy in the room. No, and I, and I know this director can make funny movies because I haven't seen this in years, but I used to think The Birdcage was really funny. Huh. And he I've never seen it with Robin Williams. It was a hit. It's it's pretty funny. And so it's it's not because I mean watching this a lot of the the jokes fell flat for me yeah and I'm not sure if it's just but also it's it's a weird tor- sort of funny because we're obviously not supposed to be laughing at this guy mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to see I think we're supposed to just be beaming at his innocence okay I don't even think we're supposed to be laughing like we're supposed to be like smiling and thinking oh the wisdom of children or maybe we're laughing at the circumstances he's in because he does accidentally go to a porno movie at one part yeah that was weird and he was what's he eating like three snickers bars yeah and that that's one one of the weirdest scenes too it's weird and one of my issues with this movie has to do with that the beginning of that scene when he wanders into the city baby's day out yeah (laughs) it's baby days baby's day out but he finds a big wad of money and they're having money problems because he's been in the hospital for six months yeah. and he's no longer a lawyer. And I I thought him finding – I thought that was going to end up being their their life savings <laughs> or all they have left. 
Yeah. And it kind of doesn't matter. He finds this big pile of money. Yeah. He goes out, and then so I thought he's going to lose the money. And then I thought, oh, he's someone's going to rip him off. Like when he's oh, going to buy the yeah. hot dog from the hot dog someone's vendor. Take advantage of his he's, innocence. He's going to go, oh, that's five hundred dollars, and yeah. he'll give him all the money. But not nothing really comes of that. No, he's just wandering around Manhattan. He has a hot dog. He answers a payphone. Mm-hmm. It's Henry. Yeah. And then he goes to a porno, and in my notes I wrote, I miss the days when he'd wear a bow tie, go to the theater to enjoy a cigarette and a porno. I really want to know more about that background actor. He wanders into a porno movie in Times Square eating a Snickers bar, Henry does, and then there's this guy who looks like Mario wearing a bow tie and a suit, just smoking in the theater, and just watching it like he's watching a a document. Richard Attenborough documentary. Yeah, I don't know. The whole idea of a porno movie is just mind-blowing to me. That those like actual theater. Yeah. That you would go to a theater and sit in, in a theater. It's horrifying. <laughs> David Attenborough, I meant, not Richard. He's the other guy. But still, yeah, just like he was mm. smoking, looking up at it like, hmm. Gosh, if there, do you think you could smoke in all movie theaters? I, according to this movie, you could smoke everywhere. And I guess that doesn't surprise me. I was alive in 1991. Yeah. Like, it seems like California was the first to ban smoking indoors in like the mid nineties. And that was revolutionary. Yeah. There was, yeah. I, I remember when restaurants were had smoking and non-smoking. Sections. Oh no. I'm so nostalgic about it. Like if you take some secondhand smoke and mix it with frying corn dogs. Yeah. That's I just get smell, huh? Yeah. I'm just like, ah, the wonder <laughs> of youth chlorine from a mall fountain, cigarette smoke, corn dogs. God, could you smoke and the in smell the of mall? a new GI Joe figure? Oh yeah. No, definitely. It almost seems in the food court, smoking and non-smoking. I remember going to D's, the uh, diner in D, our town. Yeah, I remember that. Smoking or non-smoking, and that thing is like as big as a McDonald's. Yeah, you could probably smoke in a McDonald's. You could smoke on planes. I know. I love in movies when people are smoking on planes. God damn! <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird world. It's weird to think how different the world was just not even that long ago. Yeah, it's very strange. And I know that we appeal mostly to the millennial crowd, right? So no, none of our listeners even can relate. They don't even know what cigarettes are. It's called it's it's what you, we used to call vaping, right? It's like what what uh, records are to a zune, <laughs> cigarettes are to your sweet vape rig. You didn't even need a battery to smoke back yeah. then. Imagine that. Um, yeah, he. It's a really cute scene where he's making cookies with his daughter, and he says, "Oh, let's just make one big cookie." And she goes, it won't bake. And he goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. He, this, this, there, I don't know. This, this opened up a lot of questions to me about identity. Because as, as I was watching this, he, he becomes wonderful. His daughter loves him. His wife falls deeply in love with him again f- from their cynical marriage they had before. Yeah. But would you, they're not really in love with Henry. They're in love with a new person, kind of, you know? Well, that is... They sort of address it, so at least there's that, where he doesn't want to go home because he says, I don't know those people. Right. And then at the end, he's like, I don't know who, I don't know who Henry is. I don't like these clothes. I don't like yeah. living here. I don't like this job. I don't like these people. This guy's supposed to be my best friend, and I think he's an asshole. Uh-huh. It is really weird. Well, I just, and I, I thought a lot more about the, the father-daughter relationship makes sense. She's a little kid. She's not going to – she's just getting pure love from him now. Yeah. She, she teaches him how to read. Right. But can you imagine – being married to someone that's sort of an idiot, even though he's sweet and, and lovely and, and kind hearted. Can you imagine just bringing like a month later, let, let's say or maybe a year from the end of this film, you're not going to be able to talk about anything. You have no shared memories. You don't have the time you fell in love. You have no interests that are similar. He has never read Tom Sawyer, or any book you've read. Like, what are you going to talk about? You're going to lay in bed and go like, what's your favorite color? Blue. Yeah. Oh, that's great. What's your favorite cookie, Henry? If anything, it's kind of weird and upsetting. Yeah, it's disturbing in a way because yeah. she's kind of fallen in love with, with just like just this, like a child almost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just want to – I'm going to assume that he gets gradually better and better and gets his memory back, but I is, don't is know. His, is his memory coming back or is he learning? No, I don't think so. And that that's where it gets really inconsistent because he is like a child – Mm-hmm. But then for some reason he's clever and can do tricks, mm-hmm. which I guess children can do tricks, but it just seems weird that you'd lose. Like it's so selective for the purposes of the plot. Well, like oh. he doesn't, you know, and when he's like pointing at the stars, like there's a little dripper and the big dripper, like, yeah, he doesn't, he, he, there's so many things he doesn't know, but then selectively, like he knows how to stick it to his law firm. 
Right. And he knows how to. Uh, what else does he do? He does like, some other tricks. He understands telling the the woman that's married to the guy that lost the case. He understands telling her the truth and giving her a certain file. Will, yeah. will cause like like he shouldn't understand litigation at all. Right. He shouldn't. Yeah. If he can't understand how to uh, bake cookies mm-hmm. or comb his own hair, but he understands how to the litigation. Mm-hmm. And then when he lies to his daughter about the first day of school, like that's a pretty clever trick. It is. He it says, is. I remember my first day of school. It was hard to, it's all made up. And it's all made up. Also a question I had about memory is when people have head injuries and they have to, they forget everything like this. Is It's not like the words are stuck in their head. Is it, isn't it like they have to relearn the language? It's like, like he, he didn't forget English. He just, for some reason, couldn't spit out the words. That's my understanding of it, but I, I guess there's all sorts of various types. Yeah, I, I meant to research this, and I didn't have time, but maybe we'll do like a cleanup episode okay. and talk about amnesia, yeah. talk about some famous amnesia cases. We get to really tie that in with a lot of stuff, because okay. I don't understand it, and I, in fact, I think it's poorly understood by science. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah. You can kind of do whatever you want in a, in a head injury movie, yeah. huh? Now, why the hell does he go back to work? This And, that, and I couldn't figure out what he was doing. He because he, he didn't understand anything. He'd sit in on meetings and didn't know what anyone was talking about. Yeah, what was he doing? Like, what were they having him doing for all these months? Like, how, again, he I ask just, you this every movie yeah. review: How much time passes in this movie? Oh yeah, no a idea. year, maybe a year. They have him just dealing with papers, just like holding papers and is putting he, them down. <laughs> he, are they just giving him files with blank pieces of paper in in them? And just, well, I think so. They give him his, a crappy office. Mm-hmm. So it might have just been a sympathy thing, like, okay, you can come back to work and we'll pay you and you uh, alphabetize these if you can or something. Because he was a partner or close to a partner, right? Yeah, he was like the, the big breadwinner. Oh, and by the way, the head of the firm, mm-hmm. the uh, the guy from The Thing, mm-hmm. the chief or whatever, so there's that. Don't tell me he's dead. Uh, I'm sure he's dead. He was <laughs> <he's> very old. <laughs> Gonna have to assume he's dead. <laughs> don't don't tell me. I can't handle it anymore. Donald Moffat. Donald lives. Yes, eighty six. Oh, good. All right, it's good to hear. Yeah, so I don't understand what he's doing. Um, we do get a topless Ford scene yeah. before they go to the park, and he's holding hands, and they're explaining that they never hold hands, and then he ju- it does his park bench seduction where he jumps up on the bench and. Mm-hmm. She falls in love with this child who's nothing like the man she actually knows. Mm, just looks like him. But still, Harrison's game for all this. He's would... really charming. He's really selling it. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's the point. Maybe, it, I, I just don't, I just couldn't quite reconcile the two thoughts in my head. Where I understand he's, he's a wonderful, beautiful person and he's not cynical like adults are so cynical. But he's also not Henry. Yeah. He's not going to have any of the same sense of humor. It, it just seems jarring to me. I can't even imagine what that would be like, which yeah. I guess people deal with this every day, having a loved one have a head injury and then having to, to tie the, their shoes for him and stuff. Well, it's almost like the same thing where you find out your significant other is living a lie. Yeah. Like, then that reshapes the context of everything. Well, let's get to the lie part because... This, oh, God. The, the, the Ritz thing through the whole movie, when you find yeah. out what the, the he doesn't actually like crackers, it was... I don't know if it, it was that was maybe too cheesy for me, because when he finally goes cheesy like the delicious cheese you put on your delicious Ritz crackers, <laughs> right? Oh man, it's <laughs> the Ritz Carlton. When I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, and suddenly it all makes sense. And this is the conclusion. This is seriously. It, it feels like ten minutes of the movie where all this stuff happens. Right. Um, <laughs> I love the scene at the party. The mm-hmm. law firm party where they're piling caviar on their plate like it's mashed potatoes. Is that how you eat? Is that how you eat caviar? I was watching that horrified. I don't think that's how you eat caviar. I thought it was a tiny bit on crackers or something. Yeah, or a, or a, a stiff bread. You don't you don't eat it like a, a bowl like you said like a bowl of mashed potatoes. They were piling their plate high with mashed potatoes like they were gonna or with caviar like they were gonna sculpt it. And these are fish eggs, right? Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever had caviar. I've had. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's near and dear to my heart because I used to work for the Ritz-Carlton. Really? And I would sometimes oh. get to go stay there for free. And yes, I would get to eat caviar for free. Did you think of this before? Did you, know, you didn't know the twist then. Did you think of this no. when they first started talking about crackers? No, not at all. Okay. Um, but then they're talking shit on him. And what I love, the camera move is so brilliant because they're making fun of Henry. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans like three inches <laughs> over 
He's like, he's like literally standing next to them. I know. They staring do. at them with his confused, hurt face. <laughs> they do that stuff in like Arrested Development. It was totally well, like an Arrested well, Development well, thing. Well, they'll talk about Buster, and then Buster will be standing next to him. Yeah, type thing. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> I know. It is. It does make you mad, though. Yeah. Like, like you said, it's cheesy and it's easy to make fun of this movie as it is. You really are pulling for Henry. Yeah. Like, these people are awful. And then, thank goodness, I was worried we weren't going to see Brad again, but mm-hmm. Brad comes back to give him some advice. That um, was that was maybe one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. I really liked that. Yeah, drinking their Heineken. and, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, then he's, he storms back into the office, and we get our ob- obligatory... Mm-hmm. Ob- that word. That's right. You said uh, it right. Yeah, obligatory uh, late 80s, early 90s scene involving Japanese businessmen. Oh, my gosh. What is up? Why was that such a huge thing? Yeah. And just no con- – like, he busts in, and the guy says, you'll have to excuse me. And then three Japanese businessmen stand up and bow. Because, I that mean, was just such it was a everything. Thing. Like, Die Hard has got Japanese businessmen. Yeah. The there's It a, miniseries. There's a movie called Rising Sun – with, with oh, Sean yeah. Connery. Yeah, that, the Michael that, Crichton it's the one. the same exact thing. It was, yeah. We were obsessed with this. Isn't there a Michael Keaton movie where he works for like an auto manufacturer oh, and goes to Japan and then it's a, he's in Japan or there's a yes. Japanese guy here? Oh. Uh, what is that? I remember watching that as a kid. Uh, it's, it's just such a... But just so weird. And then... And I'll have to, we'll have to just keep our eyes out for this so we can I make know. that super cut and go viral. The Japanese businessman. Is, yeah. Has this, has someone made that yet? Because it is. It must be. It is shocking me how often this is in. And it's always the stereotype of, of a business deal. Yeah. It's a business deal. A, and there's always, they bow. An, there's always an important deal that gets, that gets screwed up. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, so he finds. Gung Ho. The story, it's called uh, the Gung take, Ho. Yeah, an American car plant is taken over by a Japanese corporation. Uh, even though Gung, <laughs> I know. that's the name of the movie. Gung Ho is a sort of Americanized Chinese term, right? But who cares? Yeah, I guess I guess I don't know. It's 1983. So Annette <laughs> Bening's having an affair. Yeah, and I, I again, like I said, when I was waiting, there was there was not a lot of conflict in this movie. I was no. waiting, like I said, I was waiting for them to run out of money. I was, and, but that thing that worked out. I yeah. was waiting for that guy to somehow push Harrison Ford out of the company and betray him. And I yeah. guess he does betray him, but it's it's almost like it's almost like their affair is even kind of nice. And even when when Henry goes to confront his buddy, his buddy's like, "Hey, let's talk about this." Yeah. The affair is revealed and then resolved. I swear it's three and a half minutes. Because this entire movie is the montage scene. Yeah. It is. The movie itself has been compacted into this tiny beginning and tiny end. And then let's stretch out the montage. Yeah. So he's also having an affair at the Ritz-Carlton, which mm-hmm. is why he's obsessed with Ritz crackers. Which is weird. That's kind of yeah. almost like a Freudian thing or yeah. something, right? Yeah. But then that's it. He goes to the woman and she says, I love you. And then and he goes gone. home. No, but she has a normal reaction to someone yeah. the, the, more normal in my mind. He's like, I love you. And then I lost you. Like you're yeah. gone. Yeah. She doesn't start immediately falling in love with, with, <laughs> with his child, yeah. child minded, beautiful man. He goes back to his wife and she doesn't even apologize for the affair. And he's not even upset. He just says, I have to tell you something important. Well, I, I want to get new clothes. It's sort of even Stevens. That's why it's like, he's like, yeah. oh, I was cheating too. All right. Yeah. I guess we're even. Yeah. <laughs> why talk about it? But I mean, is is it even worth bringing up if you can't even remember your marriage to her? She's the one that has a lot more to work through because she remembers everything. She knows that she betrayed her husband. And now she's just finding out that he cheated also. Right. Which and they, then they he, play and it like that's a huge relief to her, but yeah. But maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe it would be, or she'd be yeah, irrationally really. upset yeah. even though she was doing the same thing. And then it's all resolved with, I want to buy some new clothes. Yeah. Because I don't like old Henry's clothes. I want new Henry clothes. And they go and get get their daughter. And they get their daughter out of private school. And, and that's it. There you go. Walk away to the, the weird, weird soundtrack, the and, weird score. Yeah, and it does a thing I hate where I, I hate movies where the credits roll and While the movie's still going. Really? I want, I want, <laughs> it's such a weird thing. It makes me mad. There's got to be an example where that's cool. Though. I want credits rolling where, when it's black on the screen. The only <laughs> example it's cool is if the credits are rolling and then there's still stuff going on. So like, like the credits what? rolling and then the credits stop and then you get like one more quip or something. Okay. You're okay with that. I'm okay with that. 
What what about a shot where it's panning out? I'm fine with those. So no. let's say let's say mm. it's getting further and further away. What about what if they get in a car? That's and, exactly what this movie is. Is it and getting further also, away or is it just I thought it was just them far away walking. Oh, maybe. I thought it was getting further away. But then there's that's also what like Crocodile Dundee romancing mm. the stone. It might might have been a big thing in the 80s. It's hard to say early 90s. Isn't Ghostbusters that too? Doesn't it I'm Are the credits rolling and they're like walking around and oh, people yeah, are they're like celebrating them and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. So Ghostbusters is a good example of that. Because hmm. they're all celebrating. There's no need to cut the celebration short just to go to black. I feel like in Ghostbusters there's stuff happening. Okay. They're celebrating. I don't know. I think they're stupid. mainly cel- I think they're doing a parade or something. But at least they're not far away. I, yeah. I, it's worse when it gets walking. further away. I don't like it. Okay, anyway. so overall, this is probably the worst of the Harrison Ford month movies we've seen, right? It's a pr- real weird movie. Pr- pretty, but I did have mixed feelings about it. There were things about it I thought were real nice. Mainly how the the sweet tone. It was just a, like it was just a. There was no cynicism, which is refreshing. Yeah, that was nice. Harrison Ford is great, and I think I don't give him enough credit as an actor. Mm-hmm. I always kind of, even though he's one of my favorites and he's in my favorite movies, I always thought he just puts the costume on. Mm-hmm. and does his thing, and he kind of is apathetic about the whole process. So like he, he gave it his all. He did. He's trying pretty hard because he, he, you can't say that this is Indiana Jones. Yeah. You can't say that this is just a Han Solo. It, yeah. He, he very much is doing a simple Jack or big. Yeah, and it is really sweet, and you really care about him. And mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, so J.J. Abrams, he wrote this uh, senior year of college this was the second movie he had produced that year after Taking Care of Business, which he only wrote the treatment for, and that starred um, James Belushi and Charles Grodin. Oh, my gosh. And then the following year, he had a script produced, Forever Young, Mel Gibson and Elijah Wood. Wow. Remember that one? Is Wait. That's does, where Mel Gibson is Is that is where like, his face is burned or no, something? No, no. Mel Gibson is like frozen in time and then... Gosh, I don't know if I've seen that one. It's like uh, it's like Captain America or uh, Idiocracy, or Encino Man, or Encino Man. Yeah, he's he's uh, a test pilot in World War II, gets frozen as part of an experiment, and then he wakes up in the nineties. And God, he's that straight up is Captain America. Yeah, it's exactly Captain America. What? And then J. And then what did he do? Did did he just continue making stuff? J.J. Abrams. I'm still shocked he got his his first scripts made into Harrison Ford movies and Mel Gibson movies. Uh, 1993 had Six Degrees of Separation, the first uh, serious role for Will Smith, right? Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. Sir Ian McKellen. Uh, 1996, The Paul Bear and Diabolique. Okay, I don't know what those oh, are. Oh, Diabolique. Yeah. Um, 1997. Gone Fishing with Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Oh, I love that one. I've seen that. So you're thinking, this guy's <laughs> going to he's gonna do Star Wars someday. <laughs> Armageddon, I think he did an uncredited rewrite on that. Um, some stuff we haven't heard of, and then at some point in here he d- goes and does Felicity. And then he does Lost. Yeah, and then Lost, and then Mission Impossible 3. He is his first directing. That's his first one? It's Mission his first Impossible big screen 3? directing because he directed TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, and but- Alias, too. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, Elias. That. Okay, that's a pretty good show. Yeah. So then, Mission Impossible Three um, really is the best one. You're right about that. Oh, absolutely, the best one. Yeah. Huh. I'm just wow. Who who would have thought? Right? Yeah. And you certainly wouldn't have thought Hans Zimmer would go on to bigger and better things. <laughs> I would yeah. like to. I'd like someone to recut this movie and put in a modern sounding right. Hans Zimmer. He did Inception, right? Yeah, all that just, stuff. Just put Inception in. This. As soon as he gets shot, like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just the montage all the physical therapy yeah. montages <laughs> the thing so I looked at the Wikipedia page for regarding Henry getting to prepare for this episode mm-hmm. and at the very bottom there's a link and this movie regarding Henry is on a, a list that's Lists of films featuring diabetes, which I had to click on. Oh my god! And th- and there is probably seventy movies that, and, and someone has compiled this list for. I don't even understand why. But Who there's has- there's stuff on there like Panic Room, because that's one of the plot devices in Panic that Room. That is a plot device. It, in Panic is the Room. daughter has has diabetes, right? Yeah, and, and they and have to get her stuff. Patch Adams, Warlock, uh, Species. 
I guess the the sexy alien in that won't kill one of the men because he has diabetes. Isn't what is it in this? Brad has diabetes, and that's why his football career ended. No, or no, the, the law, the 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 lawsuit. Oh, right, of course. Duh. Uh, the the wow. So I just Species. thought that I just thought that was strange. That I was like, huh? This is the who made this list? Someone with diabetes wants an, and, and it kind of talks about how there's usually not an accurate portrayal of diabetes in movies, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. who the hell wants an accurate portrayal? Well, R- Wilford Brimley does. That's who made the list. <laughs> Grumpy old Wilford that Brimley. Is, that is. Talk yelling at his grandson. You need to check your blood. Caden, come here and turn on this goddamn computer. I got to work <laughs> on my list. You got to check your blood and you got to check it often. I don't know my goddamn <laughs> login. I thought I said it to auto. I don't know. Type it in, Caden. He's alive, right? Wilf- yeah, Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me that he's yeah, gone. Yeah. He's just dealing with his diabetes every day, and he wants a good price for his insulin and his test strips. He doesn't want meth. Mm-hmm. No meth. Well, I mean, I get on the Wikipedia, I add to my list. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Uh, let's, uh, I guess we should talk about what we're going to talk about next week. Harrison Ford Month concludes Con- before before we take a brief hiatus for the holidays. Mm-hmm. With Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I don't think he gets shot in that one. He gets shot at, though. He gets shot at a lot. A lot. He is topless. I don't think he points. Oh, uh, do you know what? I also think this is a movie like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, where there's lots of death but no blood. Yeah, absolutely. If there's any blood, it's going to be a little trickle out of Harrison Ford's corner of his mouth. Yeah. After a fight. And after that's he gets it. punched by a, <laughs> by a hammer. <laughs> right. All right. All right. See you next week. 